0: Or uh, what is nothing? Hey, now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? Free uh, What is something? Doing- that's deep, bro. <laughs> ultimate bros, the ultimates of my life. What are you guys doing? How's your week been? I'm so glad to be here with you. Um, I, my apologies for not getting out an episode to you last week. I, <clears throat> I'm i shooting, a, I shot my pilot, a pilot uh, for True TV with my husband. Uh, it's based on, our other, on my other show, Your Mom's House, and man, that's a lot of work that goes into making a television show. It, it's a lot of preparation. It's weeks and weeks. Of writing and planning months and months rather and um, yeah sorry guys it was it was a little cray cray you know you you shoot for like twelve hour thirteen hours a day um, like for four days it was really really crazy I'm still re- we're still recovering from it the house is just upside down there's nothing but pots and pans filthy pizza boxes because we're too tired to cook at the end of the day when we get home but uh, but I'm back and if you can hear that in the background. If you listen, what's that? It's the sound of no puppies whining. <laughs> um, our new edition, Bitsy, has finally calmed into our home, and uh, it's it's finally, it's all coming together, you guys. It's all coming together. Boy, that, that first week of having <clears throat> a puppy, that is like, phew, I forgot. I forgot how horrible it is to have an, a new puppy. <laughs> It's, it's it is an adjustment, boy. They're just terrible, aren't they? God. Well, maybe just ours. Our puppy's the worst. Well, it was until a few days ago now it's calming down, but what an adjustment, man. All they do is shit and piss everywhere and uh <laughs> and cry. A lot of whining and then a lot of peeing and pooping on stuff. So, there you go. Life is back I'm so excited to be back with you. I have so many uh, deep, rad thoughts to kind of go through with you today. But before that, uh, let's start by plugging. I got some some plugs. If you listen to your mom's house, if you are a fan of your mom's house, my husband and I will be doing your mom's house live June 6th at the Ice House in Pasadena. That is this Saturday, June 6th in the small room at 7.30 p.m. show. So that way like you can have life after the podcast it's not like I, I hate when comedy shows start at like 10 30 or 11 you know because then you're like well, well that's how i get out of here it's like one in the morning What am i gonna it's too late you know I, 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 I gotta be in bed by 11 i gotta watch my uh, uh my home my home uh, uh uh what is that what is that sound now oh my god i'm terrified these dogs are tearing my house apart now uh I got to watch these home design shows. I got to watch the property brothers I got to figure out uh what what tile backsplash I want on the future home I'm maybe will own someday <laughs> all that important that's why we do seven thirty show also June eighteenth through twenty first I will be at the Denver improv that's in Denver, Colorado, not Denver, Ohio, in case you were wondering. And, um, you know what? I need someone to tape my sets, guys. I've, uh, I just, you know what? I'll put the call out there. A lot of you guys do stuff for a living. A lot of you, maybe you know a good videographer. Is that what they're called now? Uh, that can shoot my sets and give me digital copies so that I can, uh, you know, use them for whatever. Not, not for like airing, just for me. So yeah, if anyone out there knows somebody that can do that, hook a sister up, please. Also. Amazon. I know you shop on it. You should. It will change your life if you do not already. I order something from Amazon Prime pretty much every day because it shows up like in 24 hours. It's (laughs) it's the best. It's ruined my life uh, because I I don't go outside anymore unless I absolutely have to, uh, which feels really good to me. (laughs) Why go outside when I can just I can do Amazon Prime. Is that enough? Uh, Are you tired? I'm overwhelmed. Okay, you guys. I have such um, a great episode in store for you today. I've been really thinking about it, what I want to talk about, and um, I've got some great emails to go over, but I'm going to play the song first. This might give you a little hinty hint as to what uh, the topic will be. Well, you already know because it's probably written in the subject (laughs) of this podcast. God damn. You guys were always one step ahead of me. (sighs) Guys, isolation. Oh, I love that song. That's Joy Division. Uh, man, this is like my theme song in high school. I think I, I I actually wanted to use a quote from this song as my senior quote and then thought better of it. <laughs> you don't really you don't want a bummer ass Joy Division quote as your as your lasting senior quote. I actually ended up going with a chameleons quote, <laughs> another goth fan. It <laughs> was depressing. But wow, what a line. Uh, There's that great line, uh, mother, I've tried, please believe me. I'm doing the best that I can. I'm ashamed of the things I've been put through. I'm ashamed of the person I am. (sighs) Wow. That is deep, bro. That almost made me cry just saying that out loud. That is like a, well, that sounds like a lyric written by somebody who killed themselves. (laughs) Uh, Curtis, the guy that wrote that, actually, did kill himself, and he was only 24 years old, or something like that—23 or 24, very young when he committed suicide. Um, he was in a lot of pain. He was—he had seizures. He was a uh, what? Not a diabetic. What is that called when you have seizures in your brain and all that crap? How come I can't remember words the minute I turn the microphone on? Uh, I remember the word later, but he—he he had seizures and he was miserable. And he killed himself, and he wrote this song before he did, and I think it really encapsulates the feeling of isolation um but before that, let me um let I me mean, i gotta i gotta read these uh I gotta read these emails you guys sent they're so great man they're so great so so the topic is isolation today, but before that i just this one's my this is so good. This is John from North Dakota. he writes the other day <clears throat> the other day my nine year old daughter asked me. What's the meaning of life? I gave her a long, boring answer, then asked what she thought. She first said, my answer is weird, and I don't want to say it. I told her, it's okay, honey. So she went on to say she likes to make money, but she doesn't know why. She doesn't know what she wants money for. She just likes the excitement of making money. not sure why but i thought that was a pretty deep pro hilarious hilarious there you go that's right how come this kid got the meaning of life before i did <laughs> i think she's right you know here i am like an idiot believing all the stuff that i learned in in you know christian school i believed all the myths you know like uh like the meek shall inherit the earth and it is far better to give than to receive and you know be a good person and turn the other cheek i believed all that crap boy boy have i had to unlearn all that to function in the real world right she's right the excitement of making money uh and then i got this other this is a great one too let me see if i have the person who wrote it this guy's name is ben i really like this he goes one of the most important pieces of knowledge that the corporate world ever gave me has to be the Pareto principle, a.k.a. the 80-20 rule. Yeah, this, this principle is cited in like um, a lot of those, uh, you know, books that tell you how, like the four-hour work week and stuff like that. I, I, I like this principle. I, I, I dig it. It goes, the Pareto principle, for many events, roughly 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. So he goes on to write, while I spent years working and applying this principle to many project delivery, 80% of the work will take 20% of the overall project, while the last 20% of the work, the fine tuning will take 80% of the time. Oh my God, that's a lot of math. Only a few years ago did I see the positive application of this principle to my personal life and growth. So how did I start to apply this principle to my own life? I started to see how much time I was spending on things slash activities I did. Where do I spend my time in a day and to what end? Are they important things or busy work? Ooh, it's a good question. When you start doing that inventory, you realize just how much time you spend on stupid shit. Does it make sense to me to spend three hours on yard work when I can make it look decent and acceptable in about an hour? How many people will pass by and say, geez, his trimming skills is really lacking. And why the fuck should I care? Is the yard done? Yes. Does it look good? Yes. Does it look perfect? No. Will it give me more joy to spend the next four hours polishing the rest to me? No. Then on to the next thing. I can clean my house and make it look good and fresh in four hours, but I could spend a full day and it's spotless. Should I spend that extra time to make it? From good to spotless, when was the last time you just threw your craft dinner on the floor to play? I bet you can't guess what I stepped in today. <laughs> I don't understand that. Will it bring me joy to see my reflection off the kitchen sink? Probably not. The point is, Preto would say it often would take you four times the effort to get something from 80% done to perfect, but is 80% enough to be good? Hmm. Here's the trap, though. One might start cutting corners and slacking off, but that's not the point. The point is that applying the Pareto Principle to multiple lesser important activities, activities that will not improve your life. If you strive for perfection, you create time for the more important stuff. We need more time for these few and deeply important projects because they are the ones that give you joy during the journey to perfection, the grind as we sometimes refer to. Time is not a renew- time is not a renewable resource, and worse, we have no clue what our balance is. So true, bro. So true. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I, I love this idea of like I, I do the same thing. It's funny. I, I I don't take pride in doing dishes. I don't take pride in a clean home. I don't take pride in the yard. Um, I don't see trash. It's funny. I since I was a kid I just I don't see stuff that maybe to another person it would bother them I just don't give a fuck and I think uh, and not giving a shit about about the mediocre the small things uh, you do get to have like a bigger picture of life and i I see that a lot in in women I think there's a lot of pressure on us to be you know house proud to be perfect mothers to be perfect home homemakers and uh and 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 now it's weird. It's like this uh, this need for perfection in our appearances is, is really insidious, really insidious. It, it's funny because I was um, I was looking at uh, Queen Gordon, I'm sorry, Kim Gordon's Instagram account, like I always do every day. And um, there's this picture she posted yesterday of this girl, like at her concert in the front row. There's just like this normal looking girl, like brown hair, ponytail. And she's wearing this shirt that says, models suck. And I was like, yeah, remember that? Do you remember that time in the 90s when people kind of understood that, like, the really pretty people, that was their job. Like, supermodels like Christy Turlington, Cindy Crawford, all these people we grew up with. Like, that's their job to be hot. And that doesn't apply to the rest of us. (laughs) And it's totally okay to not be a Christy Turlington or uh, a Cindy Crawford. And now it's, it's completely flipped where, uh, you know, the Kardashians, uh, the, the, the hot people were expected to not only emulate, but look exactly like there is no sense of us versus them anymore. You know, I, it's so funny. I see it when I, I, I obviously don't hang out with many younger people just cause I'm, you know, bored, boring, a uh, married person. But when I do go out to the clubs, a comedy store or wherever, and I see people showing up, I see, I look at the audience and it's so like, wow, every, uh, the girls are really putting forth the effort to be like super, super, super hot. And it's just, I'm just saying, and I'm not that there's anything wrong with that either. It's just, it's a huge uh, change from when I was, growing up and coming up, uh, you could look different, you know, you could look weird and that was considered a thing. So, Hey man, thanks for this email, Ben. Really good point. Really good point for perfection is that is not, that is the, the key to suffering. I tell you, trying to achieve perfection in anything, just do, do where, where you belong. You know, um, like I have a cousin. Uh, who, uh, she's, she's also one of these perfection people. You know, our house is perfect. The, uh, the kid's perfect. The, she owns everything. Every, every knickknack has a doily. Every, fuck man, like there's a million toys for this kid. There's a million, there's a million mugs. There's a million, just, she owns everything of everything. (laughs) You know, those people, um, she rejoices when the the new Forever Twenty One is opened in the neighborhood, just stuff like like you know. And it, and, I, and I know what that is. That's covering a crippling fear that someone will figure out that that it, that she's not perfect. That it's not perfect. That maybe I'm maybe I'm out of control. Maybe I'm out of control. And I tell you, I look um, I look a lot of dudes. I watched dudes, and I tell you, man. You don't see many dudes apologizing for how messy their house looks, <laughs> or how imperfect um, how imperfect their their lives or, or bodies or whatevers are. I stopped apologizing long ago, and it's really liberating. It f- feels great. <laughs> I'm over it.'m I'm, I'm done apologizing for not being perfect. it's It's fucking exhausting. It is exhausting, man. It is exhausting. I'm always going to be 10 pounds heavier than I should be. And my house is always going to be uh, a slovenly mess. Sorry. That's why I hire a lady to come once a week to deal with my mess. I'm telling you, $50 really buys you uh, a lot. But it buys you peace of mind. If you can afford a maid, please do. God, help. Do yourself a favor. And a gardener, it sounds like, if you're doing your housework. Fuck that. Jesus Christ. All right, <clears throat> here we go. Isolation. This is the email that broke my heart, and I i swear to God I almost cried when I read it, and um, really led me to think about this topic. I've been thinking about it now for a couple weeks and how to do it. So I'll go ahead and I'll just, I'll read it now, I'll read it now. Let me see if this guy says I can, yeah, I can use your name. Okay, this comes from Cameron. He goes, hey, mommy, (laughs) Pajinski. I'm a huge fan of both your mom's house and that's Deep Row. Your shows keep me sane while working at my boring corporate job. I've been thinking quite a bit about the concept of isolation and how to cope with it. I'm guessing most people go through periods in their lives where they feel completely alone. To give you some background, I'm a gay Mormon and I've never felt like I belong to the church community or the gay community. Recently, I graduated from BYU, and all my friends are getting married, moving, and churning out babies. BYU students breed like rabbits, and anyone who isn't married by the time they graduate is considered to be a delinquent. (laughs) Slap-a-gut-wrenching six-month-long breakup with the first guy I ever left, and I'm feeling like the whole world has moved on and left me behind. So how do people cope with loneliness? I'm all for this week's episode on expecting the unexpected, but what about expecting the exact same boring shit every day? <laughs> Keep it deep, bro. Cameron. Well, Cameron, thank you for um sending this email and uh wow, bro. I feel you. And also, uh on expect the unexpected. I think that I think that was what I was trying to say and maybe I didn't convey it that If you do expect the same boring shit every damn day, that is exactly what you will receive is the same boring shit every damn day. So I think um, when you start looking for the unexpected, when you look for different corners and avenues is when you, you sometimes will find it. Um, So obviously there's a bigger topic in here, but let's address the particulars. First of all, first of all, first of all, you live in Salt Lake City, Utah with a bunch of fucking Mormons what are you doing? You got to get out. <laughs> get the fuck out of Salt Lake City. First things first. Uh, so here's my, here's why I say that because, you know, you're not always born and you're not always raised in the place you were meant to be born or raised in. You know what I'm saying? Like you most of us are not born lucky enough to be born in the place we belong. And I firmly believe in finding your tribe. That is of uh, the utmost importance as a human being. You must find your tribe. You must find where you belong. And that is like a in a demographic thing, dude. It's like it's even in Los Angeles and this fucking huge city of Los Angeles. There are so many neighborhoods. And I and I I'd always Chafes me. It chafes my anus when people say, "Oh, LA, I hate it. You, you hate it. You hate everything," because there's so many different neighborhoods. You can live with hipsters. You can live with gay dudes. You can live by the beach. You can live in the middle of the city with homeless guys taking dumps in alleyways. There's you can live in the suburbs. You can live, you know, in an igloo in a park. Like there's so many different lanes to be in. And I think, in, and I understand what you're saying. You're 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 gay and Mormon. Oh, my dogs are attacking something. Um, gay and Mormon. I mean, I don't know if those two are mutually um, exclusive. I I don't know how that works. And I'm sorry, I'm a bit ignorant on Mormons and gays. I'm assuming they're not. I'm sure, I'm, I'm assuming that they're kind of incompatible. Uh, but I don't know. I think you may have to choose between the two, bro. I think you may have to make a decision. It sounds like you're a young guy because you just graduated, and let me tell you, graduating from college is traumatic enough. Slap on the uh, the breakup, and that is terrible. Also, it sounds like you're newly entering in the gay community, and may I recommend uh, Dan Savage's podcast, Sav- the Savage Love Cast. Uh, he is a, an older gay guy. He's got a husband and a kid, and he speaks at large. He speaks volumes to what exactly you're writing about, feeling isolated, being probably in the wrong place for you right now. Um, But what he would say to you, get the fuck out of Salt Lake City. Go find your tribe. Go to San Francisco. There's nothing but gay dudes who who are awesome. And I know you're saying maybe in your communities, the gay community is not your your style. Uh, But get the fuck out. Go now. You've graduated, leave, or just, I don't know, find other gay people in your in, in, in your city. Okay. Bigger picture. Here we go. Concept of isolation and how to cope with it. How do you cope with loneliness? Man, I tell you, I could write a book about that one. Uh, well, you know, as somebody that grew up, uh, really isolated, I grew up with them as I've said this before. If you don't know my background, my mother is uh, mentally ill. She has a borderline personality disorder, uh, now paranoid schizophrenic. My parents divorced. I lived alone with a crazy mom, and I, I did see my dad on weekends and such. But you know, both my parents were foreigners too, so <laughs> add that on top of the home life, and it was very isolating because I, you know, I couldn't I couldn't go to school and kind of explain that to people. It's not something you. I even had a vocabulary to share and uh, I was very lonely and very isolated for many, many years. And it's something I still Uh. struggle with as an adult. I struggle with, uh, you know, wanting to connect with people versus the comfort of just kind of hanging out uh, alone, (laughs) which is, uh, which is something I, I, that is unfortunately my comfort zone. So not unfortunately cuz solitude isn't an inherently bad thing. It's when solitude turns to isolation that it becomes bad. That's what my therapist says. Apparently, solitude is good and then around day 3 you're supposed to hang out with people. <laughs> and I can say that around day 3 is when I start to I start to want to talk to people. So I think I'm all right now. But yes, everybody goes through I believe, a period of severe isolation. Uh, I think mine was when I was an adolescent, when I was 14 and lost my mind. And uh, I was really depressed as a teenager. But then, again, at 26, you know, a new adult. I I had just been fired from some job. And I was on unemployment. I was taking an unemployment vacation. And I... (laughs) I decided that I was going to sit in my apartment for two weeks or so and just play Puzzle Bobble, a Japanese video game. And I just, I got stuck. I don't know if you've ever had that where you just kind of stuck. Like I didn't know how to go forward. I didn't know what to do with myself. All I knew is that I would watch I would watch uh, that Roger Lodge, so Blind Date. At around six o'clock, that would come on, and that would give me some some marker of time. Um, I would wake up, I would eat cereal, and I would play Puzzle Bobble all day. And I had this neighbor who caught on that I wasn't leaving the house, and <laughs> she caught me checking the mail. And this older lady, and uh, and she goes, "You know, it's not healthy to stay inside all day." <laughs> and here I had thought that nobody was on to me that I was isolating, but she knew. And it did take someone someone else to kind of jar me out of it. Um, it took an old lady to tell me that, that was I was behaving absurdly. And I kind of I did snap out of it. And that is when I started really getting heavier into stand-up comedy. Again, I found my tribe. And that that is the thing you have to do. You have to reach out. You have to find, at least for you, my friend Cameron, some other people that you do identify with. Otherwise, that's bad. No, there's also, there's two kinds of isolation, right? Um, well, there's emotional isolation and there's social isolation. And then there's solitude. So I have some great quotes. Let's start there. This is a great one. Wait, hold on, hold on. Hi, this is not, this kind of random. This is from Kurt Cobain. He goes, I don't care what you think unless it's about me. <laughs> uh, good. And Ais Nin said, I have such a fear of finding another like myself and such a desire to find one. I am so utterly lonely, but I also have such a fear that my isolation be broken through and I no longer be the head and ruler of my universe. Uh, I kind of, I get that one, right? I think on the one hand, when you're super lonely and uh, isolated, you you yearn to be understood, and uh, but the other the other side of you goes yeah, but it's safe, it's safe in this ridiculous world that I have built up for myself. And then there's this great quote by Kath Crowley. I don't know who that is. A Little Wanted Song is the title. Uh, she writes, "You're always saying people don't like you, but people can't like something that's not there." <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty good. So there's solitude, and I think solitude we can all agree is a pretty noble thing. And I, and I you know, I think if you can't do solitude, something's wrong with you. On the other spectrum, um, here we go. Solitude, wrote Jacques Maritain, a philo- philosopher, is the flower of life in community. True solitude is the contemplation of the true, the good, and the beautiful. And such solitude is essential to maintaining communities of friendship oriented towards non-quantifiable goods. Now, that's interesting because I, I think my sense is that our society uh, is, is set up, modern society, contemporary society, not modern, contemporary society is set up such that we are isolated. Um Uh, Especially in the United States, capitalism is kind of um, set up to keep us separate and using each other for our benefits. Um, Yeah, Uh, there's that rugged individualism ethic. I think that kind of starts. That's kind of where it starts. So uh, it's kind of like modern society gives us the freedom from interfering with one another right (laughs) um to see the other as useful to us as opposed to loving loving one another for the sake of loving right you have a society right now in which people are kind of pursuing their own ends and using other people as tools to achieve that you know like it's like show business is a perfect metaphor for this. You, when you meet somebody, it's always like, well, "What can they do for me?" What are the what? Are, well, really, chaps my ass. By the way, in, in American culture, it's like when you meet somebody, the first question out of their mouth is, "And what do you do for a living?" Which I always want to reply, "None of your goddamn business," because what do you do for a living implies many things. It implies you know, how much money do you make? Are you, uh, or do you do something that could be of value to me? It's kind of like somebody else's way of categorizing you and putting you in a place that, like they're filing you away as useful or not useful, <laughs> which is horrifying. So American society, particularly in capitalism, um, it's we're kind of set up to be isolated, to be these, quote, rugged individuals, um, because now the state the state I guess I don't know what the better word for that but the 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 state yes does for you what historically people did for each other we are societally set up for isolation in a certain sense um you know uh, I think the sense of community is broken down so much and that has its roots in uh if you've ever read John was it John Locke Locke and Hobbes. I remember reading these guys in political philosophy. And I think if you ever want to know some interesting shit about political philosophy, uh, there's Locke. Hold on. There's two English philosophers, uh, John Locke and Thomas Hobbes. And uh, those bros were very deep. And uh, they ended up writing a bunch of stuff that we Americans based our constitution on. Um, a lot of people think that the idea of pursuing life, liberty, and happiness <laughs> well, um, was kind of inherent, and that's that's not really true. It, it originally started as, John Locke wrote, we have a right to life, liberty, and property. Preservation of the natural rights to life, liberty, and property. Um, it was claimed as the, one of the big reasons why we rebelled well, the American colonies rebelled. Um, it's It wasn't the pursuit of happiness why the American colonies rebelled against English. It was really to have the right to own our own shit, right? The idea of stay away from me, bros. This is my piece of land and that is yours. And the, you know, don't, don't fuck with me. Uh, leave me alone. <laughs> so, right, life, everyone is entitled to live once they are created. Liberty, everyone's entitled to do anything they want, to so long as it doesn't con conflict with the first right, so isn't that interesting? Everyone's entitled to anything they want to, so long as it doesn't conflict with the first right, someone else's right to live. It's like just it's like uh, yeah, you do you, bro. I do me, right? <laughs> and it's, and property. Everyone's entitled to own all they create or gain through gift or trade, so long as it doesn't conflict with the first two rights. And that's a really interesting idea to think that the foundation of American society is based on life, liberty, and owning stuff. (laughs) Happiness comes much later. Thomas Jefferson um, substituted the pursuit of happiness in place of property in the United States Declaration of Independence. But prior to that, the founding fathers just wanted to be left the fuck alone. And that's a very American ideal, isn't it? You know the rugged cowboy, the rugged individual. Leave me alone, man. I just want to do my shit. You do your shit. I do mine. Leave me to fuck alone. That's very much a, a, a piece of who we are. Um, and another idea which is really interesting and has always stuck with me is Thomas Hobbes. Uh, he wrote a book called wrote many books, I'm sure, but the book Leviathan. I don't know if you ever read that one, but uh, Leviathan is interesting because. <laughs> well for many reasons but uh it starts with the idea that the sovereign whoever we allow to rule us is made up of the people right it's constituted of the people and as people we bestow the right of ruling upon the sovereign it's the social contract right and um, uh, we need the sovereign and the sovereign needs us and because without the sovereign life as we know it, as human beings, the, the state of nature is what they call this. The state of nature means uh, life before somebody ruling us. Life, what, what life would be like, let's say, if we didn't have kings or governments and stuff. And Hobbes believed that the, the state of nature, the inherent state of man, is pretty gnarly. Uh, he wrote, without the Leviathan, life would be, quote, nasty, brutish, and short. <laughs> I've always I love that nasty brutish and short. That is essentially what human beings are at their core. The state of nature is bad. Humans need to be governed and restrained. And that is why we have governments, right? To restrain us. That's so fucked up. I don't know, partially true though. I mean, when you think about it, right? Do you trust most people? I got to tell you, I love the idea of a philosopher king. Uh I don't know who was it, Aristotle? who wanted to have, uh, they believed that, the Greeks, I believed did, uh, wanted to raise like someone from childhood to just be outside of society, kind of like a hermit. <laughs> and they would just infuse this child with knowledge of politics and philosophy and art and literature and all things wonderful, and they would be raised outside of society. And then once they were of age, they would be placed as the philosopher king. The ruler of all people, and I've always loved that idea. I don't know why that's considered bad. I don't. Why not? You know, I I don't trust most of Americans to vote. Do you? Fuck no. I don't trust that at all. So there we go. That's uh that is one side of it. On on the one hand, we are isolated through the very nature and structure of our government, and 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 uh, just how we function, but isolation. Solitude is one thing, right? That's kind of a voluntary condition. But isolation is different. It's it's uh, it's pretty rough. Um, here, I found this great essay on isolation. This is in a bigger political context. We'll get to the emotional stuff in a minute. But uh, okay, No Man is an Island wrote, done. John Dunn. But now we are all islands. That is the meaning of the word isolation, which has nothing to do etymologically or existentially with solitude. Okay. The point being isolation, literally island making is altogether different. If we say, because there's no transcendent good, we must each pursue what looks appealing to us. So long as we remain within the law. That's what I was referring to here. The idea that everybody's out getting their own. And as long as you follow the rules, Uh, everything's cool. (laughs) And that does lend itself to a deep sense of isolation here. Even it's funny. He has this, who wrote this Anthony Esselin wrote this uh, essay, solitude and political friendship. He writes about uh, parties. Hold on a second. There is this great, anyway, there's this great line in his essay where he writes about um, when you're at a party, even, even the social, becomes useful. In other words, like when you go to a party, Oh, here, hear her. Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, the profound loneliness that settles upon young people drinking at a party when there is nothing to celebrate as they warily circle about one another, checking one another out, reckoning and being reckoned. It should be obvious that what is quantifiable is by its very nature, finite. And therefore, since man is never satisfied by the finite felt as scarce. This is the pursuit of such fleeting goods. It's almost as though he's saying like when you're at a party, we're all here to pursue fun. Isn't this great? <laughs> Everything, everything's useful. Everything's fun. And you're never really participating. And that is very isolating as well. All right. So in psychology too, there's a few things. There's uh there's uh emotional isolation and social isolation and uh, emotional isolation is a little different and it's is so funny. I looked in Wikipedia about it um, and I think everybody at some point has had emotional isolation. Um, but here's Wikipedia's definition. This made me laugh. Emotional isol- isolation is a state of isolation where one may have a well functioning social network, but still feels emotionally separate from others. Population based research indicates that one in five middle aged and elderly men in Sweden are emotionally isolated of those who do have someone in whom they can confide eight out of 10 confide only in their partner. People who have no one in whom to confide are less likely to feel alert and strong, calm and happy. Instead they feel depressed, sad, tired and worn out. So that's the definition of emotional isolation is when you have no one um, in whom to confide. You know, most of us, if you're married, you have your, your one partner that you do that, but you should have other friends, I guess is the point, right? (laughs) Uh, but Hey, emotional isolation also happens when, um, and, you know, if you've ever been in a crappy relationship, uh, I remember the relationship I was in before my husband towards the end there, boy, towards the end of any relationship, that is the worst because you're kind of living with this other person, but you're already separated from them emotionally. And that is horrible. I mean, you know, lots of people do that. Lots of people live in crummy crummy relationships we've all fucking been there that is the worst emotional isolation and that's also um, cutting yourself off kind of from other people there's a lot of people that can't tolerate um, intimate relationships my mother being one of those people she's very emotionally isolated that's fucking for sure and that's depressing you don't want to be that person man Hold on, let me look something up here. I found something good to read. Emotional isolation. I don't even think my mother has friends anymore. Oh, okay. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. That's social. Why do why do people emotionally isolate? This is funny. Um, yeah, because I'm I'm very I'm guilty of of. uh, Oh no, I socially isolate. Sorry, but it says um, emotional isolation involves withdrawal from other people, meaning we keep our feelings to ourselves completely. We are unable to receive emotional support from others. We shut down or feel numb and we cannot or do not communicate with others except perhaps for the most superficial matters. For example, you know, close the door, shut the light and leave me alone. Yikes. So that can be a scary, scary, scary place. Um, I know I've been there uh, before. That's usually right. I think that's right before I, I tried to kill myself as a teenager. <laughs> when you feel like there's nobody that understands you and there is nothing that can be done about it. And that is a desolate place. And if you're there and you're listening to this, I highly recommend getting yourself into some kind of therapy uh, uh, immediately. Because that's a really, really, really dark place to be in. And it's very hard to get yourself out of that hole. And, uh, I always think of the prayer of St. Francis. Um, hold on, make me an instrument of your peace. It's such a great prayer. And I think it helps me get out of my own head. Hold on. Let me find these words. I just love these words. God damn it. Why is nothing up when I want it? the Catholic prayer the prayer of St. Francis the patron saint of animals this guy St. <laughs> Francis is one of my favorites he was he's a big self-flagellator he wore hair shirts um, and he was so Christ obsessed that he would preach to birds and animals and absolutely one of my favorite Catholic saints but anyway uh, if you are feeling isolated I, m- I remember when I was deeply deeply emotionally isolated I was 14 years old I was in um, ninth grade really suicidal had nowhere to turn to. My parents were just fucking, you know, come on, savages. And um, I I just, I had no one to turn to. Even my peers, you know, your other 14-year-old friends don't know what to tell you. All they can tell you is, "Yo, yeah, your parents suck. But uh, unfortunately, I, I, I did not have adults around me to reach out to. Uh, I did have one adult, one teacher who could see the sadness in me. And she said this great piece of advice. She goes, you know are you sleeping? And I say, no. And she says, well, just try to go to bed a half hour earlier than you normally would. Sleep helps. And uh, and she said, watch television, just have the TV on. <laughs> and that's when I started watching Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> um, that helps, right? Little things like that help. And sometimes you're, you're physically isolated. Some of you might be listening to this. You might be stationed somewhere. Um, you might be, Sitting alone somewhere in some weird part of the world, um, we've all been there too. I think when you're you're in another country and you don't know anybody, and that can be hard. But the familiar always helps, right? TV shows, music, books, stuff like that. If you cannot actually find a human being, which is obviously the first the first choice, find a human being to talk to. Um, they they exist. There's the world is nothing but people. Surely one of them has to get it right. Um, and if you can't do that. There's this great line in um, in St. Francis' prayer. Make me an instrument of your peace. Uh, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Now this is the part I love. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to consoled. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, it is in dying that we are born again to eternal life. Wow. Here's why I love this. He's asking, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood, as to understand, to be loved, as to love. Uh, the, The point being, You know, isolation, part of that comes from the the desperate need to be seen and to be understood. And I, I totally get it. I understand completely that, that need. Uh, But also the way out of that is to be brave, is to have the courage to, to look to the others, to look to people around you and and not uh, try so hard to be understood, but to understand other people, and in doing so, that kind of bridges that isolation gap in a weird way. So to answer your question, Mr. Um, emailer Cameron, um, do you have to reach out to other people? And to get over loneliness, a lot of that has to do with no one's going to understand me i'm I am this island, but I think it's an, under, an understanding the other. Getting us outside of ourselves is what helps that feeling a little bit, you know, because I think at the end of the day, it's like, how come no one gets me and this and that? And you know what? I I don't know if anybody's ever really going to get get you a thousand percent. You know, I don't I don't um, in my life. I don't my husband gets me there. I have a handful of friends. Excuse me, but you know, we're, is there another person out there who was raised by two Hungarian lunatics, uh, who parents divorced, one grew up isolated with a mentally ill mom in the exact same way I was? I don't know. I don't know, and I think we all carry a little piece of that uh, feeling different than other people. I think all of us feel isolated, so it isn't only reaching out and to. Uh, to not seek to be understood so much as to understand the other that we can kind of uh, get over our own, our own stuff and see a therapist. (laughs) So there's social isolation. um, And that's when people kind of willingly uh, retreat. And I totally get that. Um, But that's like having the apps, having no social relationships and that's considered unhealthy when people spend excessive time alone (laughs) <laughs> uh, particularly when they no longer benefit from time spent alone um You know, it's it's staying home for days and days not talking to people Avoiding eye contact I think i've done that. I think like I said day three is when I venture out day Three is when I break down and I go to the comedy store Uh, but some of you listening might go. Hey, I don't know. Am I a weirdo? Because I like to be alone Am I am I a socially isolated person? Because I enjoy spending time No no, but here 's what you may not know about yourself and for many years uh, i didn 't understand this about myself like why do I get so drained hanging out with with like a, like a parties or something like that i don't i don't feel energized when I hang out with other people. I feel very tired, and for years, I thought something was wrong with me but uh, it wasn 't until a friend of mine who studied psychology said to go online and take the Myers Briggs test. That's M E Y E R S B R I G G S Myers Briggs. There's like a million free tests. It'll take you totally like five minutes. Take this test um and see you might be an introvert. You might be the kind of person who benefits from a little bit of social uh social isolation from time to time. And that doesn't mean that you're an unhealthy hermit who uh you know needs a lot of help. It just means that maybe your constitution is such that you can't, you can't handle a lot of stimulation all the time. And that's kind of where I'm at, bros. I can't, I can't take it a lot. I can't, I got, I got to go home to my cave and like pet my dogs and chill the fuck out. Um, so yeah, that's what I have for you. Social isolation. Yeah. Most of the time you're an an introvert, but then there's people that are hermits (laughs) and I wanted to look up a great hermit clip for you so that you could i wanted to i love i'm fascinated by the idea of the hermit the person that just completely goes away from society and just like lives in the forest somewhere and like a mud hut i love that idea because i think um in religion that's considered a fairly normal thing to go off and to find christ or buddha whatever it is you know the early christian fathers did a lot of that wacky stuff like the desert fathers like people that just went out and laid in the desert and Scorch their bodies to find God or find Christ, rather. Oh my god, it's fucking weirdos. But, um, but yeah, a little bit time to time is good. And I hear you, bro. I hear you. I'm sorry that you're dealing with this. I know everybody's lonely, man. And I think that's a normal thing, too. I think feeling loneliness from time to time is a very, very normal thing. Um, but isolation, that's not normal. That needs help. You need to get some help. Uh, If it lasts for a long time, I think. But yeah. Fuck. There you go, man. Make me an instrument of your peace. St. Francis prayer. I always think about that when I'm feeling uh, very sorry for myself. I'm feeling very lonely. Actually, what I do when I start to feel... You know, because my husband leaves town for a long time. For a long time. For like four or five days to do stand-up sometimes and I'm alone. And um, like I said, by day three I get get cagey. And I go, you know, I don't want to have like... I don't want to have someone in my house talking to me, but I, I wouldn't mind a little bit of interaction. And that's when I go to my tribe. That's when I go to the comedy store. I talk to some people, I hang out, I feel good. I come home, I'm a balanced girl. That's the key. You got to find your tribe, find the people that do get you. That's that's like, that's like 90% of it, man. It's just finding people that get it, that get somewhat. Like I said, you're never going to get someone that's like I completely understand everything <laughs> everything, everything, everything about you, it's probably impossible, but you're gonna have pretty good percentages. People that kinda get for the most part get it. Get the bigger it. You gotta find your tribe. You gotta find your tribe. Especially gay people, man. I you know, not like I fucking have anything uh I, I can't obviously speak on it. But from what I understand, I lived in San Francisco uh for many years and I met many men and women who came from horrible, horrible small town existences. And uh, you you got to find your Mecca. I, you know, I never understood. I, I saw some documentary about uh, these gay women living in like Arkansas or Oklahoma or just some, somewhere like that. And they were living in such an intolerant town and the townspeople hated them. You know, were calling them names and like threatening to shut down their business. And, and all I can think is like, why the fuck? Why are you staying there? Why 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 would you stay where you're not even tolerated? You know like Oprah says, right? Go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. Why would you stay somewhere where they fucking hate you? Where they fucking hate you? You got to go. You got to go. You got to be brave. Oh, motherfuck. Man, this whole time I've been yammering and I didn't even talk about my favorite isolationists. Uh, Can we talk about the fucking Duggars for a minute? Holy mother. Now that's the result of some isolation uh, with this political stuff I was talking about earlier of this whole, I do me, you do you. I do what I want, you do you all, leave me alone. Uh, this is one of the extremely negative repercussions of social political isolation. Um, and let the record show that I, I have hated the Duggars long before, long before any of this crap came out, long before it was hip to hate the Duggars, Christina P. Pajitsky hated the Duggars. Go ahead and Google it. 19 Kids and Counting Christina Pajitsky. I had a a bit that was recorded at the Laugh Factory where I shit on these lunatics back in like 08 or 09, bros. You know, and I I hated these people for, um, I hated these people early on, for, for one thing, 19 kids, it, to me, is completely immoral. I mean, it, it's completely uh, 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 it, lunacy to have a litter of children that you cannot possibly care for. And I mean, I'm not talking physical needs. I am talking emotional, spiritual, psychological needs. Uh, this poor woman, this this broodmare of, of a woman... Uh, listen, and it's one thing if, if you're an adult and you and Jim Bob what's her fucking name? Everybody's got a J name in the Jebediah and Jessup and Jenna and Gina and Jigga. Get, 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 get. You know, it's one thing if the the wacky lady and Jim Bob uh wanna believe in their nutbag religion, their quiverful. Did you do you know what these people believe? The quiverful movement is the belief that First of all, it's totally medieval. It's totally archaic. The woman's barefoot and pregnant pumping out kids for Jim Jim Bob's sacred sperm. Uh, The idea being that they will create essentially their own tribe, their own like master race of Christian nutbags uh, that will populate the earth, take over and infiltrate government. Seriously, seriously, that's what these people wanted to, that's what they are doing. Uh, by pumping out child after child after child. And then those children's children are now pumping out children, childs and children's. And uh, that that was my first problem with the Duggars. But um, what's really neat is when they started coming out and being hateful towards gay people. Hey, that was a fun, that was fun. Um, you know, because I, I don't hate all Christians. Obviously, there's decent... Christians, but it's it's douchebags like this that make normal Christians look terrible. Uh, but what's really cool is the uh, the sexual abuse now happening, um, you know. And hey, do you think it's healthy for kids to not watch television or uh, wear jeans or be able to interact with uh, members of the opposite sex or even look? members of the opposite sex outside of the ones existing in their homes? Hmm. Do you think that would lead to something like, oh, I don't know, sexual abuse in the home? (laughs) Unbelievable. And uh, the best part is that this douchebag, this Joshua kid who was uh, sexually abusing his own siblings, um, they sent him to go work with some friend (laughs) They're like, well, we're not going to call the cops just yet. We're going to make you go do roofing for a summer with some friend of the family. And he's just going to talk to you. That was the guy's penance. And then no mention is made of how to deal with the girls because, you know, they're asking for it, right? They must have been taunting their brother with their their dirty pillows and their, um, their, you know, very sexy denim nightgowns. I'm sure that they're wearing their kooky shoes, homemade clothes. Uh, it's so repulsive. It's so, I just, I hate these people for so long. I can't even begin. Yeah, but not not no mention of how the girls are doing. Just, just that he's being dealt with. A year later, they call the cops. Great, 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 great. And that is a result of isolation. <laughs> That's the whole problem. That's the whole problem of like, eh, not my problem. You do you, I do me. Yeah, well, how's that working out for us? How's that working out? The fucking Duggars, man. They're just, they ruin everything. It's the far right, man. It's it's getting nuttier and nuttier and nuttier. Nuts. Nuts. The Duggars are socially isolated, and that's what happens. Not 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 to say that that happens in all groups, although we are finding out that the Amish are kind of kooky now, right? All those reality shows. Hmm... Mm-hmm. Cameron Mormons, weird <laughs> all right, on that note, let's start our own cult. I think we should have a place to live somewhere in Hawaii or Tahiti, where just every people that like this show live together. There's no rules we just talk we have we have cool conversations, bros <sighs> all right. So that's it for this week. Listen, if you're feeling isolated, if you're feeling lonely, know that that is completely normal. I don't know why people don't talk about this stuff more. It's so annoying. It's so annoying, right? Uh, It's totally normal. Reach out, man. Reach out. Email me. fucking your mom, not your mom's. God damn it. That's Podcast at gmail.com. Find your tribe. I know it's hard sometimes. If you're a gay person, go to the gay bar in your neighborhood. Go find the community that you belong to. You know, just find somebody to talk to that makes sense to you. And um, yeah, and listen to this show more. Okay. I'm going to go for a walk now out in the sunlight. I do that once every few days. And uh, I'm going to enjoy that. So okay, guys, until next week, that's been deep, bro. And I uh, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, for downloading all these episodes. And I will I will see you. I will see you next week. Okay, stay black, everybody. Bye bye. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize, Philosophize with. with, 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 with. It's Christina P, aka Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? What's that? That's tea bro.